available in more homes than the Pac-12 Network. We are the Podcast of Champions. I'm David Woods from Bruin Report Online. And here he goes, Miles Jack! And I'm Ryan Abraham from uscfootball.com. Liner, gonna try to sneak it ahead. Touchdown, SC! We are the Podcast of Champions. Welcome, everyone, back to the Podcast of Champions. I'm David Woods, coming to you from the beautiful city of El Segundo, California. And I am joined here today by my co-host, Ryan Abraham. I'm from Bruin Report Online. What are you from, Ryan? I'm from uh, USCfootball.com, and I guess my mother. But yes, uh, I'm in the studio in lovely Redondo Beach, California. Mm Mm-hmm. David has to do something like put his kids to bed. We really mm-hmm. were struggling to find a time to mm-hmm. record this week. Uh, I had some pressing matters like a charity golf tournament I had to attend yesterday, so we couldn't record. When you throw charity on it, does it make you feel better about it? Way better. Uh, does, it, does it make you feel more justified in I'm going golfing? Can you tell them why we couldn't record tomorrow? What's tomorrow? Oh, I am golfing again. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Is that a charity one? <laughs> That's not. No. No. The only charity is like me donating balls to the course. Uh, but yeah. Uh, so we're doing it on a Wednesday evening at 6 p.m. Not our I'm normal. I'm going to leave do- donating balls just on its own. I'm going to leave it right there. <laughs> I just don't even. I could go in a direction with it, but I'm not going to. Right. Uh, but yeah. So we're at the podcast of champions for the last time, as David tweeted out, or at least this week. Uh, a lot of stuff going on. In the conference, um, we're counting down to the from the Pac-12, one, two, to uh, the Pac-2 uh, with Oregon State and uh, Washington State. I don't know if that was great on the screen, whatever, but that's fine. I loved it. Was it good? Do you like the graphics? I loved it, every bit of it. But we got a recap, of course. I was in Las Vegas for the Pac-12 championship game. Washington, a 10-point underdog, somehow squeaked it out against you know powerhouse Oregon. I don't know how we could have seen this coming. Uh, it's not like they've played a few weeks before, but whatever, that's fine. Dave and I both got this right, so we added another uh, check mark to our totals, uh, which is cool. Um, and we're going to do all the picks and stuff later on for the bowl games. But this week, we want to talk about the transfer portal opening. There's been some coordinator hires and maybe trades, I guess you could say. Uh, there's more schedule news going on with the Pack 2 with Oregon State and uh, Washington State. So we're going to get to all that stuff. And Dave has a hard out at 7. So if you have questions, hard out. Yeah, we got a few emails. We got we're going to get to. Um, we are simulcasting live or whatever on live on YouTube, which is a lot of fun. And if you're listening on the podcast, wherever you get your podcast, please leave us a five star review, and uh, we love those. I don't know if we have any new ones, David. So I love we you. do. We, we, we have ones? we have a few, we have a few new ones. Okay, we have we have some new reviews from our lovely people because we haven't read them in a little while. So there's three new ones. Okay. The first one from MSU Mark. MSU, not familiar with what that could entail. Okay. Who knew? Who knows? Five stars. Smart, funny, irreverent. The Big Ten needs this podcast. Consistently entertaining and informative, Podcast of Champions is a breath of fresh air in the mass, deadly, serious, and continually ag- aggrieved college sports podcast. Please expand your skewed and skewering viewpoints to the Big Ten with the new arrivals next year. Like the West Coast, the Great Lakes, not Midwest, please, that's Kansas and Nebraska, I guess, is a target-rich environment for fragile egos, entitled boosters, and venal coaches and administrators. Plus, I'm dying to hear what sound effect you associate with my MSU Spartans. Not to mention the Indiana Hoosiers, maybe a Gene Hackman soundbite. Thanks for all the laughs. Keep up the great work. Yeah, I don't think uh, we're doing a Big Ten podcast in 2024, but we might have we'll to see, in 2025. We'll, we'll see what we're doing. We'll yeah. see. We'll see. We'll see what the transition time is. All right. The next one is from Poncho Vanilla. Oh. Five star review. These guys are great. I've pretty much given up on watching games, but still enjoy hearing their take on things. The title of this podcast gives you an idea of their wry wit. Wow. Mm. Uh, then we've got a last one from Drano54. Five star review. Future, 
Awesome podcast. We need to know what is up for next year. Smart guys, figure it out. Got paid $5 to make this review. That is false. That is not true. We have never paid anyone American greenbacks no. to give a review. We've sent we uh, have, jockey gift cards. We have. <laughs> that we did bribed. not pay for. We have bribed, but not with our own money. Yes. I mentioned, I mentioned before that I reached out to our friend Tom at Jockey and I didn't hear back. I assume that any of those like kind of partnerships are probably gone now with the Pac-12. So, yeah, it's sad. Just it. one of the sad, uh, yeah, sad things. You're who like you're gonna like. Okay, I'm gonna uh, create my Apple ID, and I want to put Drano in it. Like, where, where where does that come from? I'm, I want the story behind that. I've often thought about that with our message boards, um, and shockingly a lot of times when you see some weird thing it turns out that that's actually somebody's last name like so many oh. times i'm like what could this possibly mean is that in a different language what is that and it just turns out to be either a piece or in whole their just last name and they chose that for their message board username so i'm not sure maybe this last guy this name this guy's last name is drano it could be uh, hold on a second we, we have some uh you know i get it the Pac-12 made the college football playoff for the first time since 2016. Um, mm -hmm. You know, Washington State and Washington are playing. Looks like Oregon State and Oregon are playing. We know the 2024 schedule idea for the Mountain West and all that. There's a lot of stuff going on. You know, uh, Danton Lynn goes from UCLA to USC. A lot of big stuff. Nothing bigger than this. I would say this is like 20 times bigger than a, a West Texas mic. Uh, this we got a hundred dollar super chat. Like what? Oh my god, Brent! I followed you Brent. guys from the beginning, and I really appreciate the podcast. So, yeah, tell me how great the Huskies are. Good God, uh, Brent! Uh, you are a credit to all Kohlers, and I knew many of them in high school. Uh, you are a credit to all of them. You are a uh, that's amazing. To, Thanks, uh, Brent. That's everyone nice. in your family lineage. Um, We're gonna do six PM podcast more. Washington uh, is. Uh, without a doubt, the class of the Pac-12. And I was thinking about this. Um, there are a few teams that it was more perfect for the Pac-12 to go out with as a champion. Um, you know, it's it it had to have been, you know, there, there there's a world where it could have been USC, but the problem is USC just killed the league. And there's a world where historically it could have been UCLA, but UCLA also helped to, you know, murder the league. But for it to be Washington, which didn't contribute heavily, to murdering the league, but also one of the historical powers in the conference. And in this slice of time called the Pac-12, who were the two big cheeses? Oregon and then probably Washington. You could make an argument for Stanford, but Stanford fell off so badly in the second half of it. Washington's had two really good runs now, one with Kalen DeBoer, one with Chris Peterson. For them to finish with an undefeated season in the last, last year of the Pac-12 and to do it in the fashion they did, beating Oregon twice, I mean, is there anything better? Like, as a Washington fan, I mean, obviously you've got 91. You've got some other Don James seasons that were huge. You've got 2016. But this has got to be close to, like, the best feeling you've had as a Washington fan um, just coming out of the regular season. You've beaten Oregon twice. You're undefeated. You've got a coach who has literally lost two games in his entire Washington career. Couldn't be better. It's pretty special and it's special uh, super chat. Thanks, uh, Brent, for that. We appreciate all the listeners and stuff, but we're not going away. We'll be back, but, you know, that's really nice. That was really cool. You don't have to do that. So thank you so much uh, for doing that. Yeah, we're going to talk more about uh, Oregon and Washington for sure. Uh, I, you realize, right, like, the, you know, the Sugar Bowl is coming up. You got number two, Washington. Number three, Texas. We can talk about, like, the selection and all that stuff if you have. A, but we'll, we'll get to the other stuff first because we have a lot to get to. I know you have a, a hard out, but. To face your former head coach, Steve Sarkeesian, like that's pretty special too. Yeah, no, that's going to be fantastic. I think the only thing that would have added a little um, something to this, and I know like Texas is probably a better matchup than playing in Michigan, but if somehow the college football playoff committee had pulled their heads out of their asses long enough to realize Washington, Michigan needed to be a matchup and it needed to be in the Rose Bowl. Yeah. And that needed to happen. Uh, and however this needed to work. I mean, the, the reality is uh, the only thing that would have made this more perfect if there wasn't a playoff. Because if there wasn't a playoff, you know who'd be facing off for the national title in the Rose Bowl, January 1st? Michigan-Washington. 
Michigan Washington baby, and it would have been undisputed. Yeah, if this was like 1994, like this works, <laughs> it's perfect. You know, yeah, like, I mean, it would have been, 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 been absolutely. Yeah, uh, reject modernity, embrace tradition. Um, but I mean, it's 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 really fantastic, and Texas. Texas is going to be a really good matchup, and we'll talk about that at length over the next few weeks. But yeah. um, it's going to be a lot of fun. I think two really innovative offenses from what I've seen of Texas, which is two games. Um, but, uh, you know, going against Steve Sarkeesian and his, like, kind of uh, rejuvenated career will be really interesting. Uh, Brian says, plus Washington cost Oregon a playoff spot and Nick's a Heisman. So... <laughs> yeah the Heisman ballots are in so you you have Bo Nix and uh Michael Penix and former Pac-12 quarterback Jaden Daniels who is the favorite apparently um I can't reveal my I'm a voter I can't reveal what that is because we're not allowed to whatever but uh I did go Pac-12 at the top so um but I you know there was someone I was high on from the beginning or did did you uh did you weigh heavily who won the Pac-12 in your voting criteria yes I did that was who was 2-0 against the other guy when okay. people were talking about the other guy being better, I'm like, well, this guy beat them, him, mm-hmm. and this guy throws the ball downfield and not at the line of scrimmage, you know? Right, and when the game is on the line, this guy is throwing the ball on, like, key fourth downs and, and third downs. Yeah, I know guy this is. guy didn't beat, like, Colorado 35 to nothing or whatever, but and the <laughs> other guy did, but this guy kept winning all his games. So I mean, that was me. Jaden Daniels' numbers are ridiculous, though, but I, I you know, I try to vote. I do hey, try to give. Pac-12. It's all Pac-12. I we try. Claim, yeah. We claim Jaden Daniels. He, yeah, he's, 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 he's a Pac-12 quarterback. Yeah, that, yeah. He's definitely he was right. formed in the fires of Herm Edwards. <laughs> uh, you don't, you don't just get rid of that when you go to LSU. That was the basis upon which all of these accolades are formed. Yeah, and don't. Um, you, you should be a Heisman voter too. Like literally, they just hand those things out like Skittles. Like they're not. No, uh, no, no, no. You I, don't want to do it. No. Um, I, I think I could get you one if you wanted one. I think actually Wilner uh, might be our Wilner might be our like West Coast representative now. Uh, oh, if, so he's been the one neglecting me. He might be, yeah. Um, no, I mean, I you have to be I, like, I think it's like it's like someone has to like recommend you or something. I don't know. Someone like recommended me, and they're like, "Do you want to be a husband?" I'm like, "Sure." Is this uh, like a Masonic lodge or something? I don't know. There's not like meetings or anything. I'm not sure. I don't know how this works, but yeah, I've just been doing cool. this a while. I guess it was old, and that that works. Uh, but I was at the game. Um, it was uh, it was a lot of fun. It was great. Uh, exact same meal that they serve you know, the last two years in Vegas. So I was like, oh, maybe they'll go out and a bit. No, but apparently I'd like Did a, they just reheat it. I, it literally, some of the, the patties looked the same, uh, as before, <laughs> but that's fine. You do get the Raiders like, uh, water bottles, like the, the, you know, whatever. But, um, it was cool. Uh, just, you know, especially when it's not a team I'm covering. So I can just kind of like talk with people, but I ran into like, Ralph uh, Amsden and uh, and George Reister from the Pac-12 Apostles. I tried to meet up with the uh, No Truck Stops people, like Carlos and those guys. They were going for tacos afterwards, but it was it's a nightmare. It's a nightmare getting in and out of that stadium. Like we took the yeah. media bus. It was funny. I was messaging with them. Uh, Connor and I were waiting. It's supposed to be a bus every like half hour. We get there three twenty five. Supposed to be a three thirty bus. I think the bus had just left and then it was like another hour before another bus came and it takes you like half an hour to get there. You can see it's like a mile. So it's, that's a nightmare to get into, but I like the stadium a lot. It's a lot of fun and the environment was good. It seemed pretty close as far as like the split. Uh, I was in the press box a lot. I had a friend that was down in, uh, in the, I think it's the win studio club. So the last few minutes of the game, I go down there. It is literally like a nightclub. Like you need to wristbands. They just let me in. But like there was a table bottle service. So I like, I get a drink at the end, you know, so that was kind of fun. And then my buddy that worked, that lives there, he says, yeah, this turns for a Raider game into a club. Like after the game, they it's crazy. It's very Vegasy. So, uh, but the, the Washington fans were super into it. Um, just there were, I mean, it was a, it was a great environment. You could just see, that you know they they've wanted this for a long time and it, it meant a lot. And being a ten point underdog, I think that was a fuel to just see them out there. Uh, Dylan Johnson obviously just you know running his tail off. He was great. Um, the the Washington defense played really well. I don't know if Bucky Irvin was hurt or not, but he you know he didn't play as well. But I I really felt like Washington was picking up. I, I got to look to see what the averages were, but like five yards of play on first down. Like they were in a lot of second and. Four, five, three, and and Oregon was it? You know, they I think they went three and out their first two drives, and it was a lot of second and longs and kind of turns into third and longs. And 
Um, some of that stuff, like the stuff that I watched Washington do to the outside, like the little screen passes, when they played USC when I was covering that game, that went for a touchdown. But they were at least, you know, a lot of times their Oregon defender was there and they, and they still like churned for extra yards and it ended up being, you know, five or six yard gain. I just thought Washington had a really good game plan. They were executing well and, you know, moving the ball down the field, picking up first downs and putting a lot of pressure uh, on Oregon. Now they had some big plays at the end and, you know, cut it to a three point game, but this is, this wasn't to me felt like Washington was, was in control. I think they played better at the line of scrimmage, both sides of the ball. Um, I think, you know, the skill to see McMillan go bananas, like he's not been healthy all year. He had a great game. Roma Dunze, obviously he's awesome, but they, the, the key players, I think for, for Washington kind of stood out in this one. And uh, yeah, they just, you know, I think they just outplayed him. And I think it was the, they showed that they were the better team. Um, if they played again, I think Washington would win again. They, you know, this is just in Kalen DeBoer, another masterful job. I thought he certainly outcoached um, our buddy Dan Lanning or Land Danning. And uh, yeah, it was to be there though. It was a lot of fun. I think there was a lot of cool, uh, you know, the environment was good for the last PAC 12 championship game. I think we got a real good one. Oh, it was an awesome game. Uh, fantastic. And it was, you know, I think there were some missteps for Oregon early. I think, um, you know, uh, their their short passing game has just been so much their bread and butter this year, but I think they took a little too long to test um, Washington downfield a little bit. Um, and I think, you know, you take away some of those empty, well, it was really just one empty possession right at the beginning of the game. But if you take that away, you know, maybe they're driving it a little bit better. It doesn't become a touchdown on the next drive for Washington. It, it, it's just, you know, I, I think they came in with maybe a bit of a misapplied game plan. Um but then they got it rolling, and it was really neck and neck, back and forth. Um, stops by these defenses, too, because, I mean, Washington's defense has been kind of maligned this year. Oregon's has been good, but it hasn't obviously been the headline. But, to you know, force for each team to force turnovers on downs late in the game um, when they absolutely needed to, um, it was just really, really a fantastic kind of well-played game. Um, and... You know, uh, it was it was it was a lot of fun, um, and I think uh, you know this this game um, really could have gone either way, but uh, just a ton of ton of fun to watch, and uh, yeah, just a really really good game, and uh, you know I think it's awesome that um, Ryan as a uh, as a voter of of the Heisman that you uh, you uh, solidified uh, your position as a uh, as, as a supporter of the winning team. That's very cool. <laughs> we the box I was in had a bunch of like like Washington fans and and they were like they found out I was like, like what can we do like I'm a I'm like I'm a Heisman voter I'm like well first of all I can't be bribed but uh, yeah I'm I'm gonna vote for your guy like yeah he he just won this game I thought he should be the favorite uh, it looks like Daniel's gonna win but um, you know this is great it's great to have two Pac-12 I guess three Pac-12 quarterbacks are gonna be in uh, New York for this one especially after a Pac-12 player won it last year, getting a little more representation, setting up... The, I think this sets up really well, David, for Pac-12 for next year, you know, like, because with, uh, you know, Heisman winner, maybe two years in a row, now a playoff berth, like, 2024 Pac-12 has got to be awesome, right? I assume it's going to be great. No, I think it's going to be fantastic. <laughs> it's really great that they waited to um, negotiate that TV deal uh, <laughs> to this point, because I really think they've they've baked in a lot of money uh, for for... Oh shit! <laughs> Wait, is the Pac-12 going away after this season? I heard something this incredible. About that. I, fun I've, I've been paid as much attention that I should, you know. But yeah, yeah, super uh, sad, super sad. Very, but, very. No, I mean, it was it was a fantastic way to go out. Another three point win for Washington over, um, you know, hated rival. Um, really couldn't be better. And I think, you know, that first game a lot of people were looking at it and said, Hey, that's, you know, Oregon might outplay them, but for a few fourth downs, I think this one, despite it being the same margin, um, Washington was clearly the superior team. Um, and, yeah. you know, even with uh, Oregon wasting a couple of possessions at the beginning of the game, it's still, um, this was going to go Washington's way. It felt like from the beginning, Ralph. Uh, so Ralph is in the chat. Thanks Ralph. Uh, he was there. So we were sitting next to Ralph. And uh, I don't know if we'd met in person before. I think we've only like talked on Twitter or whatever. And then, so George was like in some suite or something, you know, cause he's a, he played at university of Oregon, George Reister. And he comes up and he's like watching some of the press box and you're like, he's like cheering. You're like, 
George, you can't do that. <laughs> like grabbed, one time, he grabbed Ralph's hand. He's like, he grabbed my hand so hard, it was pretty funny. So he eventually left. Uh, I'm like, why would you leave some suite where you're getting like amazing treatment and to eat the crap that we get in the? Apparently, the Raiders' food, like for the the media, is like really good in the pe- in the press box, but like for the Pac-12, it was not. The club down there, though, I would definitely watch a game down. The seats kind of stick. You're on like field level and you're in the end zone, but you're in like like it was like basically bottle service in the freaking uh, stadium, which is kind of crazy. That um, is crazy. Um, can like, we can we just address Dylan Johnson? Because uh, this is something I think needs good. to be this needs to be nailed. Because so Dylan Johnson, if you remember, uh, the late Mike Leach um, oh, basically yes. called him out for not being tough when he uh, uh, kicked him out into the transfer portal. Um, and, and then he arrived at Washington. Uh, he was playing hurt this entire game, and dude ran for some tough, tough yards. Uh, 28 carries for 152 yards and a couple of touchdowns. Um, if it wasn't Phoenix as the MVP, Dylan Johnson was very close to it. Um, he was awesome in this game. And, you know, I was talking early on in the year about little skeptical of, of Washington's run game, whether or not they'd be able to produce enough on the ground they did yeah. uh, to keep keep defenses honest, keep them having to uh, defend both things. And Dylan Johnson, over the course of the year, has just become such a weapon for them. Um, and the way they use him is so well. It's so, it, it, it works so well. Um, but it's, uh, you know, this, this, this Washington offense is just, uh, it's really, really so fun to watch. And I just, I want to thank Kalen DeBoer uh, personally, as somebody who watched a lot of late stage Chris Peterson offenses and, uh, you know, John Donovan um, and watched them just work so hard to get like a three yard completion to the sideline <laughs> uh, to watch them just bombing to these receivers and watch Dylan Johnson just get great, great gaping yards on, you know, really well designed runs is uh, well, it's very fun to watch, unlike Washington offense for, uh, I don't know, five years from like 2017 on. Yeah, he got 28 carries, 152 rushing yards, two touchdowns. He caught a pass, and he threw a touchdown pass. So that was kind of fun. though. I think it was the first touchdown of the game. Uh, but Mc, Mc, McMillan had nine catches for 131 yards, uh, the second most yardage in Pac-12 uh, championship game history. So Michael Pittman had uh, 146 back in 2019. Roma Dunze went over 100 yards. Penix 319, uh, one touchdown. Uh, one Did pick. you think uh, West Texas Mike brings up a point? Did you think um, the the Bo Nix interception was kind of bullshit because the defender stepped in off the sideline to come and get it? That was weird because I think the rule is you have to reestablish yourself. Uh, it's not yeah. like you have to touch the ball. I think there's one maybe the NFL is like that. Someone else has to touch it first or something. I think you just have to reestablish yourself. That was yeah. a weird one. It was very, there was a lot of Pac-12 ref stuff going on in this one. Oh yeah, it wouldn't have been it wouldn't have been a final game if there hadn't been. Yeah. So the winner of the regular season season meeting in Pac-12 championship games is now eight and one when they play again. Uh, Oregon is the only team that ever avenged the loss. That was 2014 against Arizona. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, and they avenged the shit out of it that year. <laughs> that was a, that was not even a close one. So, um, yeah. So that was good. Uh, what a what a good ending though. What a good capper. And I think it was that, really good. Yeah, yeah. And, and then that led no into obviously screwed. the CFP. Someone pointed out. I think Kyle pointed out that if if Oregon won, they would have been left out of the playoff. And the way things yeah, went it's, down. It's, let's talk about that just a little bit because I mean we're not a national podcast, but um, we're global, know, baby. We, we we gotta we gotta vent our spleens on this because this is fucking bullshit. Um, so it's like yeah, games, it's like the games don't matter. Yeah, well, it's just, I mean, and I, like, I hate to get super simplistic about it, but yes, exactly. And the thing is, like, you're not, this is, all right, so you had, um, you had Washington as the undefeated Pac-12 champ, they're in. You had Michigan as the undefeated Big Ten champ, they're in. Then you had a really interesting situation if you let your brain turn into a fucking pretzel. <laughs> but if you don't, you have an undefeated ACC champion. They're in, and then the other two contenders played each other. It's so easy, yeah. And you prevent all of the nonsense that's happened so since they announced the stupid thing. You have Texas, Florida State, Michigan, and Washington, and you don't have any bullshit where a person who doesn't make it, a team that doesn't make it, is going to claim a split title. 
You can maintain the legitimacy of your institution if you do one simple thing this year, and that's leave the SEC out and don't allow your brain to turn into a pretzel. Yeah, They they went pretzel-brained, um, and that's the only explanation for it. I don't care that Florida State is going to be without their starting quarterback. Do you want to know why? Because this is college football. Stupid things happen all the time. Yeah. It doesn't really matter. In, uh, in 2014, Ohio State didn't have their first or second string quarterback, and they won a national championship. Yeah. You want to know why? Because it's college football. Stupid <laughs> things happen. Florida State went out there, and I watched a lot of that Louisville game. Uh, the the great. Oops, sorry. Ryan's showing an empty seat right now. Um, uh, but the great Jack Plummer uh, uh, looked horrible. But a big part of why he looked horrible is that Florida State defense was playing their ass off. Like they were like, okay, Jordan Travis is out. We have to play like we are, I don't know, 2001 Miami. And they did it. And they looked awesome doing it. Their front seven looked fantastic. Now, I don't know if that would play against Michigan in January, but I would sure as shit like to see a team that has to play with a with a quarterback down and see what they do in that sort of environment with a month to prepare more than I want to see an Alabama team that struggled to block South Florida earlier this year. It's bullshit. And, and, and yeah, no, it's, it's, you allowed your brain to turn into a pretzel where you put in a team that is obviously flawed. That is look, the Alabama story as of its in and of itself is a really good story this year. It is a late stage saving team that was looking like it was on track to go eight and four at the beginning of the year. And they turned out a 12 and one season where they beat Georgia. That is super cool. That's awesome by itself, but that's not a playoff resume. Not this year. Um, They lost to Texas and Texas is having an elite season where they only lost one time. So if all of that is true, you have to, and obviously they didn't, so you don't have to, but I I think they've just opened themselves up to so many illegitimacy arguments. So many uh, there, if, if Florida state somehow beats Georgia, there's going to be a lead legitimate split title conversation. Yeah. Um, And they won't be wrong for it because Florida state wasn't given the opportunity despite doing everything they needed to do, except I don't know, keeping Jordan Travis healthy. And since when are we projecting things going into the stupid? No, it's, it's all about what have you done? It's a beauty pageant again. And, uh, you know, Georgia still might be the best team. Someone said I had audio problems. Let me know if you can guys can hear me now. They still might have the best team. And you mentioned the split title. Florida state gets to play Georgia, you know, and you're like, okay, well, if Florida State wins, they're undefeated and they beat Georgia at the end. I mean, Alabama gets in the playoff because they beat Georgia. Maybe this, you know, I don't know. There could be some kind of split title or something. So, yeah, I hate it. Yeah. It's dumb. And the interesting thing is if Oregon had beaten Washington, then you've got uh, Michigan still in. But then you've got a more interesting conversation because then you have, you know, you don't have Washington obviously in. They're out. Oregon has an argument, Alabama has an argument, Florida State has an argument, Texas has an argument. So you probably put Florida State in at that point. Florida State's probably because in, Alabama's yeah. getting in, no doubt. And I think the one that gets left out in that situation probably Oregon. Oregon? Yeah, I think so. I mean, and the, the the messed up thing there is in a in a in a just world, I think it would be Alabama still that would be left out. Yes. But um no, I think in that situation Oregon's left out. Yeah, so that was a little nutty, but it's good for the Pac-12 to get in there. It will be a good. Uh, is that the? I forget which. Is it the Orange Bowl that? Um, yeah, or Florida it, State, Georgia, and the Orange Bowl. Angel, Orange Bowl. Yeah, um, we can go over real quick. Sort of the bowls. Uh, UCLA is playing Boise State in the uh, LA Bowl. Uh, we got Utah. <laughs> thank you for thank you for describing that in the exact tone and confusion that it deserved. I well, it was the that. Jimmy Kimmel Bowl. I think it's the Gronk Bowl now or it's something. The, presented by Gronk, I believe. Presented by Gronk. Uh, Northwestern, somehow they got a winning record. Uh, they're going to play Utah in uh, in Vegas. Uh, so the Vegas Bowl, that'd be cool. Uh, Louisville. Not going to be a lot of points in that game. Probably not. Um, USC is playing Louisville in the Holiday Bowl down at Petco Park. It's funny because I was, where was I? I think it was in... 
Vegas or something, or I was coming back from Vegas. Uh, oh no, I end up going to the Rams game. Yeah, a, a tough life, right? I got um, went to the Rams game when I got back from Vegas, and I'm trying to find out like, did they announce this thing yet? Because the playoff had already been announced. So I'm like, this is bull, you know, whatever. And the ACC apparently was just sitting on everything because they assumed Florida State was in, so they had to kind of redo there. So people thought USC was going to play Clemson. They end up playing Louisville in the uh, Louisville in uh, in the Holiday Bowl. Oregon Lewis State, Bowl. yeah, Oregon State gets Notre Dame uh, in the Sun Bowl, so that's down in El Paso. So that'll be kind of interesting. And then, uh, unfortunately for Oregon, they get Liberty, which is another bad decision made by the uh, playoff committee. They they were just bad. The playoff committee was bad. Like. You should have had SMU. They, they, did, they did a horrible job this year. Yeah. They, 13-0 Liberty that played absolutely well, nobody. And they used the same logic for Liberty that they should have used for Florida State. Exactly. It's like Liberty played really nobody. SMU played you know Oklahoma and TCU. It's like they look like they're the best group of five team. That would have been a good game with Oregon. Similar to like when USC got to play Tulane last year. This is probably not going to be that. Uh, and then uh, Texas, and I, I no, I, I should say importantly, Liberty could beat that ass. I wouldn't be surprised if oh. they did. Well, uh, motivation is always a thing. Motivation is always. Jamie a Chadwell's thing. a god. Um, he probably won't like that terminology because he coaches at Liberty, but he is a god, um, and he does coach a mean offense. Yeah. Uh, so there's that one, and then um, uh, January first, Texas is playing Washington. I don't know if you guys know about this, but it's the Sugar Bowl. It's a playoff game. Because we haven't really talked about the last time we talked about the playoff game, like this, the podcast was in its infancy. You know, in, in, <laughs> infancy. Yeah, in, uh, infancy. Yes, we yeah, were just that, a baby podcast. Hold on, was 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 the last playoff appearance in 2016? Yeah, <laughs> Jesus Christ. So that was like the year USC went to the Rose Bowl and beat Penn State. Uh, Washington went to the playoff. Washington beat Colorado hey, in the Pac-12 look, championship game. Was the Pac-12 in the first playoff ever? Uh, was Oregon in it? Yes. Yeah. Yes. And was the Pac-12 in this year? Yes, last year ever. Then we don't need we don't even need to talk about what happened in between. Okay. Good. Yeah, yeah. It was a lot of I'm sure good years in between. Start a off lot good. of a lot of just consistent good teams in the playoffs, right? Thousand thousand. Probably some national titles went in there. Thousand. Let's not let's not review it. Don't worry about it. Um. Well, let's talk a little coordinator stuff real quick. Uh, we did Ooh, get... Yeah, switch shift gears. We have a super chat from Alan. Did you US, address California and Texas Tech's uh, bowl game? Did you say that one? The Independence Bowl? Oh, I, I don't think I... No, I think I missed that one. Did, that, that Independence Bowl on December 16th. Cal taking on Texas Tech. Uh, should be an interesting game. Um, Cal can thank UCLA for that bowl game. Oh, yeah. I missed that one. I'm sorry about that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so Cal, Texas Tech. That was a prepayment on Calimony was giving and, uh, Cal that win. And Tyler Shuck is not going to be there. Former yeah, Oregon Tyler program. Shuck is... Uh, he's going to Louisville now. Yeah, he's... Uh, Which he's, seems really weird. Yeah, Tyler Show. Shuck. Shug. Shuck, show. Shoe. Uh, but the super chat we got um, from Allen in St. Louis, USC poach Danton Lynn, RIP Bozos, LMA. Oh, man. Who am I kidding? This is so sad. Are we sure UCLA wasn't built on an ancient burial ground? Yeah. So this is um, we're in the burn it all down territory now. Uh, so I there was a time uh, when UCLA had some pride, um, and that time was fairly recently, actually. Uh, John Savage, the UCLA baseball coach, yeah. uh, USC wanted to hire him uh, about ten years ago. 12 years ago. I think like so. That. Yeah. And UCLA overpaid him psychotically, <laughs> like way beyond what you should pay a baseball coach in Los Angeles. Uh, because you don't, you don't let that happen. You don't let the crosstown rival take somebody who's like a head coach or like coordinator level, for example, uh, UCLA. Look now, correct me if I'm wrong, Ryan, because okay. I may be wrong. Okay. Uh, UCLA and USC, they, they, they're both, Full share members in the Big Ten next year. Yes. Yeah. 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 So uh, they're Oregon, getting the Washington, same. No. Yeah. They're, they're getting the same money from the Big Ten. Say like seventy five million deal? or something. Yeah. Yeah. It'd be a lot of money. A lot more yes. money than they have like right double, now. Double more than double what like Oregon and Washington are getting. So projecting ahead, they should like okay. Obviously, donor <laughs> funds can be a little bit different, but they should be able to pay somewhat similarly. 
right? Yeah, I would think, yeah. So if a situation were to arise where one of those programs pay, offers, say, a coordinator a lot of money more than uh, what you were currently paying him, you should be able to match if you are from that same, you know, from that other institution. Yeah. It's like you're working you at the same, it's like you're working uh, the same company, you have the same job, you have the same salary. Uh, look, I this is one where I'm like, it doesn't even matter. I mean, I think Danton Lynn's a good coach. First year coordinator. I mean, he had some weapons, but I think he's a good coach. Doesn't even matter if he was a bad coach. You don't <laughs> let that happen. That's crazy. That is crazy that they let that happen. Just behaving like a poverty institution. It's insane. I cannot believe UCLA did that. Um, and like, say, so as far as I know, they didn't try to match, but even if they had, and he walked, that would have been an indictment. Um, so either way this goes is either they didn't match or they attempted to match and he still said, peace, I'm out. And what a, I mean, he can live in the exact same house and he still says, peace, I'm out. That's also not great. Doesn't speak well to what things are doing. What's going on in the program? No, I mean, um, ten years in the NFL, one year as a coordinator, but he took a UCLA defense that was like in the nineties and put it into the top fifteen or something. No, I right? think like, he's a stud. Um, so I, I think a lot of people have, um, you know, they want to be able to say, I think on the UCLA angle, like, well, we don't know. You know, we inherit. This is the important data point um, for USC people, I think, to wrap your heads around. UCLA didn't add anyone on defense this year. Like no one who actually contributed was an ad. These were all guys who were here in 2022 for that really shitty defense. The only thing that really changed was Danton Lynch. <laughs> uh, dude came in and suddenly uh, the pass rush was not only good, but consistent. The defensive tackles were good when they weren't last year. Uh, the linebacker play was significantly improved. And it was well-schemed where, look, they had some issues against Arizona and Oregon State. Those two teams are balanced. If USC is suddenly going to be playing a bunch of balanced offenses, I don't know. Jury's out a little bit. But when that guy can find a chink in your armor, um, which is what he found in essentially 10 out of 12 games, uh, it was more or less lights out for the opposing offense. Uh, If he could cheat a little bit. And the thing is, in college football, you can cheat. You usually do, um, yeah. Someone Ohio runs State, better than they pass, whatever. Yeah. yeah, you can't cheat against Ohio State. You can't <laughs> cheat against, you know, maybe Washington and Oregon. You can't cheat against the elite teams, the top 10 teams. But that's not what you're asking your elite defense to do. In those games, you got to keep up. Your offense has to keep up. And your defense has to get a couple of stops. But you're asking it to dominate Cal. You're asking it to dominate Arizona or Arizona State or whatever it is uh, or in the Big Ten. You're asking it to dominate Iowa. You're asking it to dominate Rutgers. You're asking it to dominate Northwestern. Danton Lynn's your guy. Yeah. Uh, and that's going to happen. And you're not going to be playing those close, close games if if it holds true that this isn't a Lincoln-Riley effect on defense. And if, in fact, the defense in isolation can simply improve, which I think it can. Yeah, USC gave up like big numbers to bad teams. So they, they could use just someone that just is good at squashing uh, bad teams. Yeah, and and people Mark are saying says Kelly oh, couldn't come close to SC's offer. So I don't know. I don't know what anybody. No, no, no. This is my point. Is of course they could have. They could have. They yeah. chose not to. Uh, oh, he said Kelly said they couldn't come close. Uh, yeah, he said that. Again, the money. <laughs> the money is what the money is, and I don't know how UCLA is choosing to spend that money. Um, maybe it's just going into cement. Maybe it's going into fake debt. Maybe it's going into a lot of different things. Uh, a, a million of it should have gone into raising Dantlin's salary. And I'll go one further. The conversations on that should have started a month and a half ago. Yeah, you shouldn't kind of have to know that, yeah. Shouldn't have waited until after the season. You got to make a guy like that feel appreciated quick. The good thing that uh, someone that you've been an advocate for for a while that happens to be on staff there, uh, Clancy Pendergast. So it's obviously he, he could step now, right now in. Hal says Clancy for D.C., we know. I mean, I have to go back and listen. Well, you to know who overlapped with Chip Kelly early in his coaching career at New Hampshire? Who? The great Alex Grinch, and he's out of a job right now. That's it. Someone I think put that like uh, put that in there that they wanted um, Alex Grinch. Maybe he could be. You know, I think we have an email. We might have an email about that. Uh, there's another weird hire. Uh, did you see Arizona? So 
We love Kenny Dillingham. Young, energy, maybe says some dumb shit. Making the same stupid mistake he did last time. He hires Bull Baldwin, who, by all accounts, was an awful offensive coordinator. Not only that, just hires him. It's not like just holding the clipboard and like telling the quarterback what to do. He's actually calling plays for the first three weeks of the season. They look like absolute ass. Uh, you know, he takes over the play calling duties and they look much, much better. He's very innovative and all that. And now they go out and get Marcus Arroyo, who Oregon fans thought was awful as their offensive coordinator, goes to UNLV and absolutely shits the bed. And then, you know, UNLV is now good <laughs> after they get rid of him. I, I don't know how he did work. He wasn't working last year, as far as I know. Well, I, I'm not sure what the hell's going on here, but this does not seem like a good he's, hire. He, he, I, and this, uh, he's once again doing the exact same stupid thing he did last time, where he's hiring a bad offensive coordinator who failed as a head coach to now come in and call plays when we just saw <laughs> Kenny Dillingham salvage like respectability this season by taking over play-calling duties. How does he not realize yet that that is the thing he is good at, the thing he was hired to do, and the rest of his job he will grow into? Again, nobody hired you for your management skills, buddy. They hired you because you ran a really cool offense at yeah. Oregon. Don't hire one of Oregon's failed offensive coordinators from the Mario Cristobal era to run whatever dog shit you're running. <laughs> you are the one who does creative play calls. You are the one that they hired to 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 run that offense. I, I, I'm, I'm baffled um, by the decision-making um, from Dillingham. I understand that he thinks he's got other duties that are more important. Um, he doesn't. I mean, it, it, sure, there are other duties on a program that are more important. Uh, you can focus on some of those, delegate the rest, but your competitive advantage is that you are a really good offensive mind. Um What's Mike Norvell doing at Florida State? Does he have somebody else calling plays, or is he calling his own plays? I legitimately don't know. I'm not sure. I he might be calling his own plays, but probably calling his own. Yeah, I'm, but I'm whatever. He's got a hand in the offense. I, I I wouldn't. You're hiring Marcus Arroyo. If you hire a guy like Marcus Arroyo, you're hiring him to call plays. What are you doing? We got don't good, do this. We got a good comment. Alan St. Louis on the scale of train to Nickelback, Denny's OC decision is Hoobastag. <laughs> Thank you, Alan. Exactly. <laughs> that's that's put very well. We should uh, yeah. put that in the Louvre. I love it. Um, was there? Any, I don't think there were any other big coordinator hires and stuff going on. Uh, I think no. Was, I think that was. Uh, I think those are the big ones. Put it in the chat if we miss somebody. I do want to talk about like the Washington State, Oregon State situation. Um, oh, uh, Cal lost its offensive coordinator, Baylor. Okay, yeah. Baylor. Who was actually good. Yeah, who, you know he did good things there. So yeah, so Wilcox uh, will now hire like I don't know some corpse. Uh, maybe Bo Baldwin. They should go go there. Yeah, who was actually a good head coach when he was at Eastern Washington or wherever it was. Um, yeah, I don't where Arroyo, no, not so much. Prove that I wasn't a good head coach at Eastern Washington. You can't. Yeah, that's true. Uh, okay, so we have the the agreement between Oregon State, Washington State, with the Mountain West. They're going to be paying fourteen million bucks. So it's kind of like paying for you know. FCS schools to come play you or whatever, but I think it's fine. They're, you know, they're going to get three road games and three home games against Mountain West schools. Uh, they won't count towards the Mountain West. You know, they're not going to be able to play for a Mountain West championship or anything, but they get to play a, almost a full schedule of Mountain West football. Um, we already know that the Apple Cup was continuing. Canzano's uh, reporting that they're close to a deal for the former Civil War. So that'll be good. Um, they can do that. Uh, and I, Oregon Live was reporting earlier today that the Mountain West is in active discussions with Oregon State and Washington State for like basketball, baseball, softball, volleyball, and soccer. So with those, it was only going to be about football. So it would be good if you get those other sports, some of the other sports in there too. So starting to come together. We don't know the 2024 Mountain West schedule yet, but it should come out fairly soon. It looks like Oregon State, Washington State will be a big part of it. Buying themselves some time to sort of figure out, you know, and they've talked about wanting to still rebuild the Pac-12. Uh, so we'll see what happens there. But this at least buys them some time going into next season. Yeah, for sure. Um, so uh, best they can do at this point makes sense. And, uh, you know, hopefully it provides somewhat soft landing as they head into this very weird future. We probably get into this more later, but did you, there's a proposal. I guess the president of the NCAA wrote, I think Yahoo got the letter where they're basically proposing 
creating a separate subdivision that says, okay, if you're in the subdivision, you are allowed to pay players, but you know, through their own, your own NIL deals. And there's like a minimum requirement that's millions of dollars a year, like 30,000 per student athlete, uh, at least half of your student athletes getting paid. It's unclear if there's walk-ons involved or all that stuff, but there's title nine parts of it where you'd have to pay, you know, men as much as women. So you could have like, Oh, we're paying Jane. So Daniels is this, $3 million this is a way for them to pay while circumventing all the like antitrust shit that I they think get. so. Yeah. And I think okay. this is with the California lawsuit. I mean, with the California, like, bill passing where like revenue share like this is sort of a way to sort of circumvent it and the ncaa would still be involved uh we'll see what this does but this is like for the ncaa to be even talking about this um i mean the whole reason we have the the 14 playoff is because you know you're you're going you know away from like the bowl the sanctity of the bowls kicking and screaming nil kicking and screaming this is still you're you know you're behind but it's a little more proactive, I think, than what they we've seen the NCAA do in the past. Yeah, um, it reeks of desperation to me, um, where they're probably you know thinking they're on death's door and they need to do something in this vein. Yeah. Um, the game's I, changing. I think though. the game is any legitimate changed. any legitimate proposal is going to have to deal with the fact that they're just going to be employees. Um, and this doesn't go there. The, no, I, it doesn't. I think um, you're trying. I think people are tired of the collectives because you basically have this body that's separate from the university providing all these funds to the student athletes. And they're like, we have to get the schools involved somehow. Um, this will be in addition to though, this won't be in replacement of true. It won't, um, especially in the amounts you're talking about, because we both follow recruiting and we know the amounts that are actually being talked about. Yeah. The weird um, thing of like what the title nine part is interesting. Cause I think this is, if you do this, you're probably cutting some men's sports because like that's adding a lot more, um, you know, there's, there's a lot more expenses involved. Every student athlete you have It's one of the things like sec schools don't have like Stanford has almost a thousand student athletes, you know, like UCLA has got like 900. So, I mean, there's the West coast, we have more, there's more sports and everything. And there's fewer and a lot in the sec schools. So there's less, other mouths the feed they like they kind of planned that out a little bit better so there might be some mouths being cut from this yeah you got you can't do this it's not um i i this doesn't seem reasonable or, or possible to me because you have to decouple football yeah from the whole thing to make any of the money and title nine issues work out because if you do load up your football team with X amount of dollars, it's exactly what you're saying. It's going to lead to cuts. Or um, and and you're gonna have to pay like, okay, so the women's soccer team, like you're every every student athlete's getting like, you know, three hundred. Yeah, this is where it just gets convoluted. Um, because you're NIL, paying a football team this much, you have to pay the female athletes that much. So it it's basically like whatever you're gonna pay the football team, you have to double it because you have to like make it even. So you're gonna have like I mean NIL is stupid and awful, but it's like the best solution right now without making them employees. Yeah. Um, there isn't another good option that because right now that doesn't run into those sorts of issues because it's essentially they're getting it independent of the universities until they make them employees um, and get rid of all of the like uh, essentially the, the stuff where they get to pretend like these people are not employees. Uh, all the bullshit antitrust stuff, um, then uh, maybe they can uh, do this. But I don't like anything where they're paying them, but they're still, you know, beholden to all these uh, NCAA rules is going to work or make sense. Yeah. You know, I forgot we haven't taken a break yet. So let's do a quick break and we'll come back because Dave's got a limited time. So we'll be back in a minute. We're back here on the podcast of champions. If you're watching on YouTube, that wasn't much of a break, but if you're listening to the podcast, we got to take a little break there. Um, I did want the transfer portal opened on Monday and yeah. there's some big PAC 12 names in there. Uh, I mean, Oregon state losing Jonathan Smith, you lose DJU, you lose Childs. There's, you know, a bunch of guys that have been entering Tyler Velling just today. Yeah. He went in today. Um, what anything kind of stand out for, you know, Cam Ward, 
you know, for Wazoo, for Wazoo's um, out there, he could stay in conference. I mean, there's a lot of kind of stuff going on um, in the portal just in the, the last few days. Anything kind of stand out, Pac-12 wise? No, I mean, it's all like it's all deeply depressing if they're from your team, but it's all I would say so far relatively expected. Um, I think nationally, there's been some more interesting stuff, but it makes sense if you inspect it a little bit. Like Dylan Gabriel leaving Oklahoma or, or Kyle McCord leaving Ohio State. Um, yeah, some weird ones. But, quarterback stuff uh, is weird. The quarterback stuff is weird, but it makes sense. And um, it depends. Like a lot of it can be like, what were the terms of their contract? What was the terms of their NIL deal that brought them to their current institution? And are they looking to collect another bag before they move on? And a guy like Dylan Gabriel, who I would say has an uncertain NFL future. Um, mm. Go, go get another bag. Go see if Oregon wants to play. Um, DJU and Childs, that's very depressing. I think if you're an Oregon State fan, DJU, okay. But Childs, um, that's, that's, that's got to be, you know? be infuriating. Um, but I would say nothing is super unexpected. I mean, Cam Ward leaving Washington State, again, upsetting. Um, but to be expected uh, in today's you know kind of world, you get – essentially two free cha- transfers. You get the one and then you get another one when you graduate. Um, and he's using that one. Uh, and he built his profile a little bit more at Washington state. And now he's using it to springboard. Um, and Washington state's future is deeply uncertain. Uh, so it all makes sense. It's just sad. Um, and sad for the fans. I mean, for the players, it's better. It's a better system than it ever was before yeah. they get to, they get to make money. They get to have a little bit more freedom of movement, freedom of choice. That's all better. But for the fan experience, you know, and this is true, but it's true in all professional sports too. Like when your team starts like going crazy in free agency and trading away prospects and all that kind of stuff that you maybe invested a lot of your time and learning about and following them and get, they get older and you're, you know, I did this a lot with like angels baseball. And the most fun I had was watching, you know, the team that was mostly homegrown in 2002 win it all. Yeah. Um, when these guys go, uh, it's it's kind of sad. And, yeah, you see a free agent come in, but they've got a kind of mercenary feel to them. And the thing is, Cam Ward had a mercenary feel to him from the beginning. He wasn't a homegrown yeah. Washington DJ State you too. But that is, I mean, when people talk about the professionalization of college sports, I think it's that feeling more than anything. It's not necessarily the idea that the guys are getting paid. It's this feeling that, like, uh, I'm, I'm watching, I'm watching a Jersey more than I'm watching guys anymore. Yeah. Um, and I think that, you know, that's a, whatever, uh, a loss of innocence for the fan, uh, about kind of what they're watching. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it, everything was, uh, everything we watched was kind of expected. Uh, I know ASU had some losses, uh, Jalen Conyers, uh, going, but it sounds like that was pretty expected. They lost BJ Green. It sounded like that was maybe a little bit unexpected, but, uh, he's probably going to command an NIL deal. Um, UCLA has lost some guys, but it's a sinking ship. So that makes sense. Um, yeah, I mean, across the board, I would say it's been mostly expected. Um, and, you know, a couple mild surprises, but it's the crazy transfer portal, portal world we live in. Yeah, it's crazy. USC lost some dudes, but no one of like super team. Like Relic, Relic Brown, who wasn't playing really, you know, he went in the portal. And he but, announced his intention, like in yeah, it's September, like right, not really a surprise or anything there. Yeah. Um, it's the thing I do want to watch. You have sort of two test cases, um, because players have a lot more power and there's a lot more freedom. If you, you know, if you're a, a you take a couple of torpedoes in your side. If it's UCLA that you lose your defensive coordinator, you keep a head coach that a lot of the fans don't want. It adds some instability to your program. Players can leave. If you're the only two programs left in a dying conference and your head coach leaves, like that's what's going to happen with Oregon State. Your head coach stays. And he drops off all of his clothing at goodwill. Someone put that, yeah. Well, I love that though. Like, wouldn't you rather, like, you're not keeping your Oregon State stuff. You're work. You're working for somebody else. Like coaches He's move a all the time. Fucking alumnus. Like that's you a good know. Point. Okay, he is like, alumnus. All right, that's fine. That's fine. But if you're dude alumnus- was dude was done, and he was like sowing the ground with salt, burning his house to the ground. I, I'm not giving him too much crap. I, they did. Someone put that in the chat about giving it. But coaches leave all the time. You got a ton of gear. You can't wear your gear. Like 
what is Danton Lynn going to do with his UCLA gear? Like, if you give it to a donation place, that's great. You know, like, well, you could probably do some funny stuff with it over at USC. I'm big into the donation thing. So, but I like, I like doing that. Um, yeah, you could do some funny stuff. Uh, but then, or, you know, Washington State, same thing, but you, you have the stability of your head coach and Oregon State hired from within to try to k- keep that stability. But how many players end up leaving and how difficult is it to bring in? recruits well now that you're playing a mountain west schedule instead of a power five schedule like this is sort of just like we've never seen something like this before we've seen programs become unstable because a coach leaves or they keep yeah. a coach where they shouldn't this is like literally the league you, you know the, the the neighborhood you were in crumbled around you and your house is still standing you're like okay how am i going to sell my house now uh there's nothing left it's rubble everywhere so yeah and i don't want to like <clears throat> we excuse a lot of behavior uh as monetary pursuit I don't want to completely absolve Jonathan Smith here. Um, and not that anyone is like responsible to like their employer or a university or their alma mater or anything. You're a big corporation guy, right? Like, but what kind of like, here's the thing, like nobody is beholden to those things, right? Yeah. You're not beholden to all of these things that you have these bonds with, right? But what does it say about you that you are in no way feeling any sort of duty or responsibility to these things? Like, not to speak on behalf of a major university and not to speak on behalf of, like, just an employer generally. But, like, dude, you are leaving thousands of fans, thousands of people who, like, have invested their, like, goodwill, their energy, their time, their love, their support in you. They and you're him leaving play. them, and yeah. you are leaving them at the absolute worst time. Like, yeah. if you think about what the transfer portal does, it accelerates. Either it accelerates your upward climb or it accelerates your degradation. Washington State and Oregon State are on the precipice of falling off a cliff. We all know it, and it's just it's the it's reality. sad reality yeah. of the yeah. situation. And what he did was he drove the car as fast as he could at that cliff and then jumped out Indiana as it was out going the over the cliff. Yeah. Like all he did was accelerate what was already an accelerating process of degradation because with him leaving DJU has no reason to stay. Aiden Childs has no reason to stay. Tyler Velling has no reason to stay because they were all there to be a part of his offense with his offensive scheme, with his offensive mind. He had the opportunity to soft, soften that fall, to soften the blow for Oregon State. He chose not to do that. And no, can you blame him for it? Can you blame a person for that? No. But does it tell you something about that person? Yes. Like, I wouldn't trust him to, like, drive my car around the block, probably. Um, really? Because like, he's not. He's it's not like he had no big. choice. He had, a, he had a choice. You always have a choice. His yeah. star was going to be no less bright next offseason. He went 8-4 and four this year. It wasn't like he blew anybody's doors off. His star was going to be no less bright, and he might have gotten an even better job than Michigan fucking State. Yeah, baby. Like, this is the part where I think it does give you insight into somebody. It gives you insight into, you know, certain things about character and things. And the important thing is here, almost every one of these head coaches who rises to that position is a cretin at some level. They've got no values. They're pieces of shit. We know this about them. Um, but, uh, to, I I think you're, there's, there's, we all talk, I mean, I've talked about it a lot, the unreality of being a sports fan where you're constantly like in this position where you're like, you know, you're, you you might be a logical person in other parts of your life, but then you apply it to sports and it suddenly becomes wackadoodle nonsense. Um, and, but like, I think people like, you know, it's that kind of, um, I don't know, you, you develop like this almost uh, kinship with somebody who you've been following for a long time. You watch their interviews. You see him coach on the sideline. You see him milk his boobs uh, when he wants to milk the clock. <laughs> like you see him do those things. You're like, that's my guy. I love him. Yeah. And then to have this just thrown in your face that like he felt none of that for you. Because if he felt any of that for you, at least one part of this process would have been different. Something would have been different. But he didn't. He didn't care. And he's an alum. It didn't like, seem as difficult went, as it could have been, right? No, he didn't give a shit. And that was obvious. Yeah. He dropped his shit off at Goodwill. I, like, it's just, like, at no level did he show any sign that he cared. And I think that's the part that, 
you know, I've been thinking about this with UCLA specifically because I think the, the and I'm writing a thing about it because I think it's the UCLA fans are more disgusted right now than they've ever been, which is kind of a shocking thing because Chip Kelly's 34 and 34. Like it's not no, but uh, I'm not even being facetious. Yeah, it's not like Neuheisel. It's not. Um, it's not the worst it's ever been. Like from a performance standpoint, they went seven and five this year. Not good, but it's not horrible. Yeah. But why does it feel worse? Like why does it feel worse? And the reason it feels worse is because it feels like no one gives a shit as much as you do, the fan. That's why it feels worse. Because you feel like nobody in a position of power cares as much about the result here as you do. And that's a tough pill to swallow when you're not getting paid. And in fact, you are the one paying money for this. Yeah. Um, and I think the same is true for um, these kinds of bonds you have with coaches and all this kind of stuff. It's it's uh, Anyway, I guess my point is I feel for Oregon State fans and I feel for the impending reality for Washington State. Maybe the the precipice won't come so quickly because your head coach doesn't appear to be uh, immediately leaving. But yeah. um it's it's deeply unfortunate. You're, I know we got to go real quick. The um, you're we so the questions we'll get to next time. Sorry for that. So you guys have a bunch of emails and stuff, but I would say um, what you just said about UCLA fans know what's going on, and you assume as a fan that the administration of the the school that I went to, the UCLA athletic department, USC athletic, whatever it is, they want to win. Like they're trying to win. They're, the decisions they're making is because they want to win football games. Or, or no, it's a know. social contract. You think like, and, but then you realize, and I've covered USC for a long time. Like, there, that wasn't the most important thing. They wanted to no. do things the way they wanted to do them. And yes. like, well, we want to get a good coach, but not someone that has like a lot of power. Like, we want to be able to control the. And and so, if you're a fan, you're like, screw that, get the best guy. Like, if if the best person can run their own thing and tell you what to do. You let them do it. Like, that's how you do it. You know, Nick Saban runs his program. Kirby Smart runs his program. They're the most powerful people in that, not you know, not just a school, but in the state half the time. And at USC, they weren't running it that way. They were trying to, like, Pete Carroll had a lot of power, and they were trying to not have that again. Like, uh, we don't want someone like this who's running everything. So does that mean you're trying to win? No, you're trying to, like, get by, and, like, hopefully you win, and you get someone like, oh, Clay Hilton, he's very stable and stuff, and you let him stay around forever. Did you did you ever keep him or hire him or interview him because you thought he was the best coach available? Never. But as a fan, you're like, I want to go interview the best coach possible. I want if Chip Kelly's not the right guy, we're going to move on and, and get the best coach possible. Not stability and like that's not something you care about. Whereas how are we going to get to the 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 you know the podium? How are we going to win? How are we going to win a championship? Whatever. Get the best players. And fans have that. They know, and they can sense when the athletic department that they're, you know, cheering for isn't on the same page. And it, unfortunately, I think that was happening for USC for for years, for decades even. And then, you know, it sounds like that's happening at, at UCLA. And well, and it's it's uh, the way I crystallize it is very very simple. And we should probably get out of here after this. But, yeah. Um, for UCLA, it's one thing to be angry at a coach or an athletic director because they suck, right? Like, because Rick Neuheisel sucked. Carl Durrell sucked. Jim Morrow, when he lost his mind, he sucked. But the, the the thing that I think is bothering people right now is that it's not so much that they suck, it's that they're not trying not to suck. They're... I, I don't mean to, like, sound kind of ostentatious or, like, uh, exaggerating about the whole thing, but... There isn't, I don't think there's an athletic director or a, a Power Five institution who wouldn't have fired Chip Kelly after this season, like, especially the way it ended. I don't think there is. Um, and I don't think, like, from a head coaching standpoint, I'm not sure, like, I don't know, uh, a head coach who was trying the, into the whole time doesn't go 34 and 34 through six years. Um, like, I think there was some other stuff he was trying to do. He was trying to innovate an offense. He was trying to, you know, develop some cool things to show off in clinics. But this perception, whether it's true or not, that they're not trying, like that they're not focused on the task at hand, which is winning games, I think is the thing that bothers people the most. It's these other priorities, these other ideas, and using this as some sort of test ground for that stuff. Um, and then other variables being more important than simple results on the field for decisions on whether to hire or fire. 
uh, I think that's really bothering people. Um, and it's, you know, it, it goes to the same thing, other drivers, other forces at work. But I think for fans generally, when you get, when you get smacked in the face with the reality that what you care about, you know, the winning of games, the, and not even just winning, but like the trying to win, the putting your best foot forward to attempt to win, the being able to watch your team and see that they played competitively, even if they lose, like those priorities not being more valued by the people getting paid millions of dollars than they are by you, the person paying hundreds of dollars uh, a year, maybe thousands of dollars a year to support your team. That's got to bother you. Yeah. All right. Well, hopefully uh, I'm glad we got to squeeze one of these in. Sorry. We didn't get to do it soon after the PAC 12 championship game, but uh, appreciate everyone coming in and watching us live on YouTube and wherever you're listening. We appreciate that as well. Oh, and Avery, just for you, a new super chat just came in. Avery, just for you. um, I'll put it up there. UCLA still hasn't fired Chip Kelly. I wanted to. Oh, he wanted. I think he posted that from the beginning. He wanted to know. There was like an over under how quickly you mentioned it. It took an hour. UCLA has still not fired Chip Kelly. Yeah, uh, it took an hour. We will do bowl previews and stuff. We'll probably have to do like a mailbag episode or something. Uh, Obviously, the holidays, a lot of stuff is going on. But we'll get in there and talk about all that. Um, like I said, David and I, we only had one pick last week. We both got Washington uh, plus nine and a half, and they won the game outright. So uh, congrats to the Huskies, and uh, thanks, everyone, for tuning in, listening, uh, watching on YouTube. Uh, for David David Woods, I'm Ryan Abraham. Hope you guys enjoyed the show, and we will talk to you next time. Goodbye.